can't wear these slacks tonight. You said you'd press them. In order for Eric to be happy, well-adjusted adult, he has to be miserable now. You were basically the worst parent ever. Me? I did everything for you. I gave you a snake. Yeah, then it died after it ate all your quaaludes. What do you want? It's not that simple. What it's do you want? Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? If you're a parent, uh, know someone who's a parent, one day may be a parent or even had a parent in your life, by a show of hands, how many of you would agree, based on perspective or experience, that parenting is hard? Okay, it is hard. And when it gets hard, it's, uh, it gets difficult and, and gets difficult. We may want to throw in the towel or even go to extreme measures. Even the great Mark Twain said this about parenting teenagers. When they are 13, put them in a barrel and nail the lid shut, <laughs> then feed them through the knot hole. And then he said, when they're 16, plug the knot hole. <laughs> Not me, it's Mark Twain, our beloved author, Mark Twain. I know my parents probably want to do it with me a couple of times as well. Now, I do hope as we spend these next uh, four weeks you know, together looking at different aspects of parenthood, I want to make sure I set some expectations. First, uh, can we agree that uh, there is no way in 30 minutes or less I'm going to be able to give you all that I believe that God wants you to have or experience in these next few weeks? So our agreement's going to be this is the beginning of a conversation. So as we kind of introduce and walk through some of these things, that they, the expectation is that you would carry it outside these walls and continue the conversation, either in small groups or in your house, you know, with a friend, with a family member, with a kid, however it may be, that that would be one of the things. The second thing is that there will probably be something, uh, because parenting is a touchy subject, that will uh, irritate you, bother you, uh, make you uneasy or upset, uh, even unknowingly. Can we also agree to not do what we are normally taught in society, which is just to get mad, get upset, put blame, you know, uh, cast out people, whatever it may be. Can we do something different? This is going to sound like countercultural and crazy, but can you actually ask for clarification? Can you just say, this would be an example. Hey, Dan, what I heard you say was this. First, is that what you said? Second, is that what you meant? And I would say, thank you for asking for clarification. And so we can walk through it because so much of the issues that we have with one another is dealing with miscommunication in life. So let's just make sure that that's kind of set as we go through this as well. Now today, we're going to hit on the subject of a parent's priority. Next week, we're going to talk about the unchanging principles of parenting as reflected in God's word. And then the following week, two weeks from today, we're going to talk about discipline. <laughs> I don't know why I did that. Uh, uh, discipline. I did that last service too for the first time. Like, we'll talk about that in a couple weeks. Discipline. Uh, and then the last week, we'll talk about now what. Uh, you know, what happens when you've done your best and they kind of go in different directions and maybe not the directions that you would have want for them. And so we will hit that, you know, in just a few weeks from now. I would encourage you, be a part of all four weeks. Invite friends, family members. Let me also say that I also know this can be a painful subject, whether it's a divorce situation, you know, um, or not the ability to have kids situation, you know, or other things of your own being raised, you know, by an absent father or mom. It can, it can trigger some of those things. But here's what I can tell you. So much that we're going to talk about is going to apply to all of us, especially today. 
whether you're nine years old in here or whether you're 99, that this will be applicable. So let me start with this, knowing how hard parenting is. I asked this question on social media. What is one part of parenthood that no one prepares you for? I think I broke the internet with that question. I got more responses from that question than probably all of the questions I've asked combined. Uh, and, they, and they continue to come in. Some were hilarious and humorous, and some were more serious. So let me start with some of the, the, the more humorous ones. You know, what is one part of parenthood that no one prepares you for? Kimberly said, the amount of times my child will act cute, want to cuddle, and then sneeze directly into my mouth. <laughs> Nobody prepares you for that. You don't know that that might happen. Uh, Sergio, along with so many others, said poop. So much poop. Diaper explosions, vomiting, all of these things. They don't prepare you for all of these things that happen. Brandon said uh, the loss or lack of sleep, probably number one answer. Specifically, the loss of the hour of sleep from daylight savings. (laughs) Those parents with young children hate daylight savings. Krista said the amount of time that would be spent talking about body parts and bodily functions. Krista, you probably have boys. I'm sorry about that. Sam, how to deal with a toddler's professional lawyer-grade arguments. Nobody prepares you for that, how to deal with something like that. Janice said potty training. The only encouragement I received from my mom was, Janice, nobody goes to college in diapers. Don't stress. You know, like, uh, one way. Uh, Kathy uh, said parenting a girl. Uh, The range of emotions they go through in a matter of seconds is impressive. Then to find out you were just like that as a child, ugh, Mom, I'm so sorry. Lift the curse, please. <laughs> the generational passing. Kimberly said, I feel like I was warned, so there's really no excuse, but the second child is not like the first. So you realize, like, nobody ever told you that. You're like, oh, I finally got this side. Oh, no. What is this one? What are they doing? On a more serious note, again, what is one part of parenting that no one prepares you for? Jennifer said, how many people will tell you that what you're doing is wrong? How many people will do that? Megan says, the real ugly, fierce mama bear that is awakened inside of you. Don't hurt my babies. Sarah said, I know it's not right, but I find my identity in my kids. Nikki said, the way you feel invisible as a stay-at-home homeschool mom and your life is in the same four walls with the same four little faces. Uh, Kelly said, the heartbreak of being unable to fix illness and pain of your kids, especially when they ask you to. Uh, Jillian, uh, probably one of the top answers. So many others said, worry, worry. Anxiety, stress when it comes to your kids. D said when they move out. Nobody ever prepares you on how to help when a child actually moves out. Uh, uh, Kirsty said, and I'm paraphrasing her because of a longer response, but how to respond to someone when you don't want to be a parent. There's so much of that expectation. Or to have one child and don't want to add another. I, I don't know how to say that to people. Trisha said having them grow up and turn their backs on Christ. Bev said step parenting. Wendy said, how to parent adult children or grandparent parenting. Chrissy said, having a disabled child. Or Gary said, uncontrollable tragedies of life, like drug use and the effects on them and the family or even death of a child. There's so many things, so many challenges, so much pain, so much hurt. And at the same time, so much love, so much purpose, so much fulfillment, so many memories and so much excitement as well. Uh, Now, let me tell you one more thing that most of us were not taught and not told when it comes to parenting, and it comes in the form of the question, what's the goal? What's the priority in parenting? I wonder if you could even answer that in your own mind. If someone were to ask you, hey, what's the goal? What's the priority in parenting? Because here's what I would guess. Most of us in this room would have different answers. 
And we would have gotten those answers typically from what or how we were raised maybe or what we think other people would say or understanding of what God says or what other society or whole society would say. Like for example, uh, have you ever heard these phrases come out of your mouth as the purpose or priority of parenting or in the mouths of other people? I just want my child to be happy, to follow their dreams, to be safe and healthy. There's nothing wrong with that, but is that the priority and is that the goal of parenting or is that what society says is the goal or priority of parenting? Uh, Maybe you've said this or heard somebody else say this, I just want my child to grow up to be successful and a good member of society. So successful, what does that mean? Well, maybe you discover that they're good in academics and you want to push them through the academic school system in order to get that good job so they can get that good income and have that. What does that mean? What is that success? Where have you gotten that idea from? Or, Or maybe you've heard or said this, I want my child to be a strong, independent, and loving person, to discover who they are, to be well adjusted, and to be okay with themselves and others. See, that's not a bad thing either, but is that the goal? Is that the priority when it comes to parenting? I mean, it's interesting. Let's just take for a second. If there is a God, and God created everything, and God created Adam and Eve, who were told to be fruitful and increase and to have kids, could it be that God has an idea of what the goal or the priority should be? Isn't that something that that he would come up with? It's interesting because uh, most of us in this room, if if you've had a child, most of us uh, would say we probably got more understanding and education in a driver's license than we did in parenting, right? We go through classes, multiple. uh, We do test drives. We have to actually walk with somebody to walk through that where many of us have gone through birthing classes, but then actually the child comes and now you're like, uh... And so then we kind of rely on, where's the owner's manual for this? Where's the instruction manual? Well, God, through his word, he tells us. He doesn't keep it hidden, but let me give you this idea, and then we'll kind of uh, flush it out. So if you get nothing else, whether you're a parent, whether you'll ever be a future parent, step-parent, a grandparent, have a friend who is a parent, it takes a village, right? It takes a whole group of people. Don't miss this. A parent's priority is to gradually transfer a child's dependence away from them until it rests solely on God. A parent's priority is to to slowly, gradually transfer a child's dependence away from them until it rests solely on God. That's countercultural. Because in our society, like, no, 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 you're you're American. You gotta be independent. You gotta be strong. And, And there's strength and there is independence, but it comes through dependence. Think about it this way. When you're born... Uh, You are 100% dependent on other people for your literal survival. You will not survive. And as you grow, we think that the goal is to help them to mature and to become independent. If you do that, and if I do that, they will grow up, as you and I have in certain instances, instances, being dependent on ourselves and thinking that we're supposed to solve our situation and our real world and real life problems. When in fact, God says, no, the way I've designed it is as you understand what it means to be dependent, transfer that dependence in your love and connection with him. So how do we do that? 
How do we help move a child from dependence on us to a child's dependence on God? Here's the first and most important thing. Model it. Model your love and your dependence on God. Okay, by show of hands, how many of you guys know this to be true in your life experience? Or if you studied science, you know, and you've studied people, you know this to be true as well. More is caught than taught. Raise your hands. More is caught than taught. Those of you not raising your hands have not done studies. Because it's true, and you know it to be true. See, I can tell you so many things, but if you are, especially in a home environment, our kids become mirrors of who we are. And you can see it over and over and over. All the good, the bad, and the ugly. And our values, although we can tell them, they may embrace some of those things, are more going to be taught by what do we value. What do I believe? What do I value? What do I love? So much of that gets transferred to our kids. In fact, uh, one day a person comes to Jesus and asks him this very important question. Teacher, what is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? He says, what's the goal? What's the priority? And he's not talking about just the 10 commandments, but hundreds of commandments in addition to those that help explain the 10 and so on and so on. And Jesus says, oh, that's simple. Let me just boil it down to you. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. Second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself, but it's to love God with all that you are. You are the most influential person in your child's life. And sometimes if you had children that have kind of grown and they're in their teenage years and maybe even college years, but they still live, live under your roof, all studies still show us today that you're still, although there are other influences in their life, you're still the number one influence in their life. Even in a teenage and college years, as long as they're underneath your roof. Now they may pretend like they're not listening and there are other factors that, are, that they go into play, of course, but you're still the biggest influence. So with that, embrace it but then self-examine, look in the mirror. We don't start this whole series by talking about kids. You actually start by talking about you as individuals and you as parents. See, am I growing in my love and my dependence on God? That's the question of the morning. Am I? If more is caught than taught, if this is God's purpose and design, am I growing in my love and independence on God? That's what we have to look at. Now, let me give you a warning uh, that can come with this. If God isn't of highest priority in your life, if God isn't a high priority, if he's just one of those other things that you turn to, or other things that you might you know, go to church every once in a while, or I pray here or there, and yes, I believe in God, but if he's not the primary, actually it can have a detrimental effect in a kid's life when it comes to God later in life. Uh, uh, let me give an example. Uh, again, I'm gonna do this probably two more times. Show of hands, how many of you guys have ever received a flu shot? Flu shot ever in your life. Okay, the idea behind a flu shot is they try to figure out what's the main strand or strain of the primary flu that's gonna be coming to your region or area or country, and they're gonna to try to give you a small little dose of the flu that's not gonna give you the flu, but what it does is it creates a resistance to the impact of a major flu strain that could impact your life in the same way when you, we show our kids a little bit of God and then they grow up and then they have to face real life. And, and God wasn't really a part of their real life. It was just a, a little bit of here or there. It's so easy then for them to say, you know what? Didn't really, wasn't really that important for my parents. And so, yeah, it's God, but he didn't really work because I never experienced the power, the love, the encouragement, the sustaining life, the direction, the purpose that he would give because my parents 
didn't follow or believe that as well. And so it starts with us again as parents. Now let me give you one more example without thinking that I'm just slapping your hands. I just want to be just super clear because we've had the facts when it comes to the impact that you make with your kids. The average uh, Christian in America attends church now 1.2 times a month. That's in our area as well. 1.2 times a month. In other words, if you go to church about once a month, you're average. If you go to twice, you're above average. Three times, excelling above average. If you go four or more times in that month, you're obviously one of those religious fanatics. You know, that's who you are. So that's, that's the way it is in our society. Now, when I say going to church, what I'm not saying is just coming to a service and leaving. That's more like a, going to a sporting event. It does have an impact. There is importance to that. But when I'm saying going to church, the way I'm saying is that you're actually involved in the life of the church. You're involved in other people's lives. You serve, you come alongside, you are known, and you get to know other people. That's what I mean by going to church. The reason that is important is because here's the truth. Kids who become active Christ followers as adults, with mom and dad went to church. In other words, part of the lifeblood of the church, 72% of kids will as adults. If mom only went to church, 15% of kids will as adults. If dad only went to church, 55% of kids will as adults. Dads, don't miss the power and the impact that you have in a child's life. And if neither mom nor dad ever go to church, involved in the lifeblood of the church, only 6% of kids will as adults. Now again, I'm not saying all the eggs are in the church basket. I'm just using that as one example of an expression of our time and priority when it comes to God in our lives. If I am growing in that, if I make it a priority, all of a sudden I see my kids doing the same thing, not because I told them to, but because it's happened to me, because I'm modeling that. See, the most important and impactful place though, is not actually going to be at church. The most important and most impactful place for you to just show your dependence and love of God is actually in our homes. It's in the home, outside these walls, in our everyday lives. See, church isn't something that we go to, neither is Christianity. Christianity is not a religion. Christianity is based on relationship. If you want to go a step further, it's based on family. Do you realize that when you accept Christ, You become part of God's family. You get to call him father, and we now have brothers and sisters in Christ, which is why they say it takes a village, because here's what I know about myself. I'm not a very good parent unless I have other people speaking into my life in in Jesus' name as well. We need one another. And so this is what God says to his children in Deuteronomy chapter 6. You must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, and all of your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Notice again, parenting doesn't start with the child. Parenting starts with you. That's what he's saying, and it starts with me. Where's my love? What is my dependence on him? Then it says this, repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road, when you're going to bed, when you're getting up. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. He gives us a specific way to do this. Here's what I want you to know. Sometimes when the Bible doesn't include something, it should catch our attention. Notice how many times it said attending church. Zero. In the Old Testament, it would be the word synagogue. 
Now, later on, he's obviously going to talk about the importance of church. I'm not dismissing that. I just gave you a whole case study about the importance of being connected as part of the body. But what God intentionally is saying, if you want to make an impact in the main priority and goal of moving from dependence on you to dependence on him, it's going to take place outside these walls. It's going to be taking place in the places and in the manner in which he actually asks his children to do so. He tells us how to do this. So let's get practical. How, how do I do this? How do I practically do this in my life based on this verse that I just read? I'm gonna give you five quick things that are really easy takeaway things because here's the reality of what I know about a lot of you in this room. You grew up in a home that this wasn't modeled. And what happens is, whether you grew up in a home that wasn't modeled or even one, one that was, what happens is when we are insecure, about doing something that we've not experienced, we tend to shy away from doing that. And so here are steps that will actually help you so that you can walk out of here and say, you know what, my mom, my dad, they, they, they may have gone to church, may not have gone to church, they may have been a part of the church, they may have loved Jesus, may not have loved Jesus, doesn't matter. Here are some things that you can practically do as you walk out of here to grow in your own love and dependence of God and to help your children do the same. Ready, here they are. Pray daily together. Pray together daily as a family. So I, I know one of the, the rhythms that we've had as a, as a family is in the morning, you know, I'll usually take the boys, you know, to school. On the way, you know, we'll pray, you know, for one another. And we'll pray for whatever is on their hearts and minds that goes to the day. At nighttime, putting down the kids, different seasons, different times in their lives, we're doing the same thing. At mealtime, and we've got a busy schedule just like you do, probably happens once or twice a week. We're about around the meal together. There's a time of prayer also. Simple, easy opportunities to show and model dependence on God and love for him. The second way would be read God's word together daily. Read God's word together every single day. Now, if you've not already gotten it, I would encourage you to get the YouVersion Bible app. YouVersion Bible app. What's great about the YouVersion Bible app is it makes it as simple as can be because even though you may not know God's word, which is why we don't share God's word with others because we feel again like we're unequipped or ill-prepared to be able to do that with our kids because we're growing as well. The YouVersion Bible app pops up every day, the verse of the day. And so I'll give you an example. When I'm driving with the boys, you know, I'll grab my phone and I don't want to read it and drive because I'll probably get us in a wreck. I'll hand it to one of my sons and ask them to read it. They'll read it. We'll talk about it a little bit and then we'll begin to pray. At nighttime, every single night, as we're putting down our daughter, we're always opening up a, a, a passage, whether it be the kid's Bible or a little Bible, you know, we're, we're, we're looking at a, a passage in God's word together. Just something on a regular basis. Third, be involved in God's church weekly. Now, I've already talked about this a little bit. Let me just give you just a practical example. The number one answer that people give when they ask each other, how you doing this week, is what? Uh, fine. And then if they go a little further, busy. It's busy. What's going on? Oh, I've got a lot of stuff going on. I'm busy. I'm busy. I mean, we're getting more and more accelerated in the busyness and the freneticness of life. And so one of the things that happens is we get involved with all the kids' activities and all the different things. And believe me, I know. I got two kids, you know, involved in AAU, whether it be basketball, and we got football, and you got lacrosse, and we got dance, and you got uh, homework, and you got all these activities and trips and vacations and plans, all that kind of stuff. And so is church the priority? Is it a priority in your schedule? Again, more is taught than, than, uh, uh, more is caught than taught. 
In fact, I, I had uh, our, our, some of our kids' workers say, can you please mention this? Because we want to pour our lives into your kid if they come to the same service on a regular basis. But they say, we only see these kids about once every four to six weeks, and we'd love to be able to come alongside and support you as you're trying to raise kids who are becoming less dependent on you and more dependent on God. And so it's one of the things you can do. I, I think I told you this before, is uh, my dad, I used to think that when you go on vacation, I'm like, yes. No church. My dad's the pastor, so let me just tell you about what church was like growing up. And I was like, 10 a.m. football? What is that about? This is awesome! You know, uh, but my dad always disappointed me. It didn't matter whether we were camping or at a hotel room, we'd always have church. He'd always open up the Bible, like, we're gonna have church again. I was like, oh, come on. Just one time. And I can't tell you how many times I fought him on it. But I look back, I'm like, no, it was the right thing. It really helped me in my growth and dependence on him. I understand schedules. If your kids are involved in different things, you have vacations, stuff like that. Uh, uh, like my son is uh, asked, hey, I got a tournament this weekend. All right, he's got to go to a basketball tournament. Guess what? As a church, we know this. We have Thursday services. <laughs> That's one of the ahas for so many people. Like, whoa, yeah. Because we know that that can be a, a challenge and you want to make a priority in your schedule. But here's what I would also say about being involved in God's church weekly is again, for you, are you involved in God's church? Are you serving? Are you in a men's group? Are you in a women's group? Are you in somewhere else so this conversation can continue with other people who are on the same journey? I know I'm not good unless I have other people on the journey. Do you have those people? And do you have that committed on a regular basis? And then I would say prioritize growth opportunities yearly or more. These are camps. These are service experiences. Like we have winter camps that are coming up. And I just told you, my son was invited by somebody else to be able to play on a tournament. We said, not that weekend. I said, that's a weekend he gets to go to camp. My other son is playing in basketball. He's on the varsity team. And so he's got a game on Friday night. Guess what dad's doing? He's driving him to camp after his game to make sure he doesn't miss out on that. They're going to go to summer camps. There's mission opportunities locally and internationally. These are life forming in my own life to grow in my dependence of God that are important and critical in the dependence of God and our kids. Parenting doesn't start with the child, remember. It starts with you. So if you're not yet a Christian, that's the invitation, is to be a part of a journey, a group of people, not a service to come to, but a people group to belong to, that you too can say, Jesus, I give you my life and become a part of the family of God. So how do I train them is the first question. Secondly, what do I train them on in order for them to grow in their love and dependence of God? I don't have a lot of time, so I'm going to fly through these things. Train them to follow Jesus. Train them to have their minds on God. Romans 12, 2 says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. Uh, some people used to say, you know, garbage in, garbage out, or be aware of what you allow your mind to process and think, because what we think, what we believe is how we will behave. And so what is that, that we're, we have to protect our minds and help our minds? What's coming into here? In fact, you may have heard the story about a, a middle school, early high school uh, guy who wanted to go see, you know, an R-rated movie. And he comes to his mom and says, hey, can I go see this movie? She goes, well, yeah, there's, there's different movies. We've let you see Passion of the Christ. We've seen, let you see Save It, Private Ryan. We've let you see some other movies that are out there. They're right, let me just look at this one. She's like, whoa, there's a couple pretty explicit sexual scenes in here. 
And he's like, Mom, pff, not, what's the big deal? It's just, just one or two scenes. And then he just goes relentlessly on her and just says, come on. If you love me, you will. My friends are doing it. You know, come on. This just this one time. It's, it's okay, Mom. It's not a big deal. Why are you making it such a big deal? Why are you so old-fashioned? What's going on with all this stuff? It's not the big deal. So finally, Mom was exasperated and just said, okay, fine. You can go. He was like, what? What were you drinking this morning? So this is awesome. So he's like, I'm going to call my friends. I can't wait. I'm going to buy the tickets. And we're going to go. We're going to have such a great time. She goes, oh, you know what? Let's celebrate before you go. She says, what's that? She goes, yeah, let's, let's make brownies together. He's like, really? Like triple chocolate chunk Ghirardelli brownies? She's like, yeah. She goes, can we do it together? She's like, absolutely. And so they get all the ingredients out. They got the flour, they got the sugar, and they got the chocolate chips, and, and they're mixing it together. And he just, his mouth is starting to you know, salivate as he's thinking about how good these brownies are going to take. And it's all ready to be put in the pan. She says, oh, one more ingredient. She goes, I need you to go to the backyard, this little spoon. I need you to grab some of your dog's dog poop. And I need you to bring it here. He's like, what are you talking about? She goes, yeah, no, I'm, I'm dead serious. He's like, uh, okay. So he goes out there and he's like, this is disgusting. So he grabs a small spoonful of dog poop. He brings it to mom, says, yeah, come on, mom. This is disgusting. Why am I bringing in dog poop? And she goes, oh, I'm sorry, honey. That, it's too much. Let's cut that in half. She cut the dog poop in half and she put it into the brownie mix. She blends it up really, really, really good. And he's just like, oh, this is so gross. You ruined it, mom. And he, she puts it in the oven and they wait for 35 minutes smells so good, comes out. She pours a cold glass of milk and there a ginormous hot out of the oven brownie and puts it right before him and says, enjoy. It's like, I am not eating that. She says, why not? She goes, mom, there's dog poop in the brownies. She looks at him and just says, just a little bit. And he sits back and says, oh, I get it. Just a little bit. All of us are going to make mistakes. All of us are going to have situations where we compromise, give in, see things, or part of things that we shouldn't. But we're trying to protect our minds so they can be set on him. We want to train them to guard their hearts, train them to watch their words, train them to be responsible, train them to carefully select friends, train them to be generous, and the list goes on and on. I want you to notice where all those passages of Scripture come from. The book of Proverbs. It's probably the best parenting book in the Bible because literally it is written from a father to a son. And you'll see these and so many other things that can help encourage you on how to train your kids. And we'll unfold some of those in the coming weeks to come. Now, all of these mentioned will help them grow in their love and dependence of Jesus. But I want to leave you with one last thing that I don't want you to miss. We need to model grace. You got to model grace. Let's be honest. By one last time, a show of hands, if you are a parent, have ever been a parent, if you've blown it as a parent at any point, can you raise your hand? Okay, hopefully your kids or somebody else is sitting around you. Now here's the litmus test of this. We know we blow it. We know we make mistakes. When's the last time your child heard you own that mistake. When have you ever said the words, you know what? I got too angry. You know what? I shouldn't have said that. You know what? I shouldn't be watching that. You know what? You're right. I was wrong. Will you forgive me? 
So you've got imperfect kids that are being raised. And do you know what that teaches them more than anything else? That you and I also still need a savior. That you and I are also dependent not on ourselves. We don't have it all together. But we're actually modeling the need to grow in our love and dependence on God because we too are imperfect. And so give yourself some grace because I know God gives it to you as well. As we go on this journey of parenthood or helping others or grandparenthood or as we, again, do this together. Grow in your love and dependence of God. Hope you've noticed one thing today. This wasn't a parenting message. This is a person message. Are you growing in your love and dependence of God? Doesn't matter whether you're nine or you're 99. And if you happen to be a parent, why is that important? Because more is caught than taught. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for today. For your grace, for your love. I pray, Lord, even right now, if there's someone in this room who has not yet received you, that today would be the day that they would say, yes, I give you my life. And if that's you, just simply pray those words. Jesus, I give you my life. Welcome to the family of God. Father, for the rest of us, I pray that we would just examine what our next step may be in growth, in love, and dependence of you. God, I know I'm on this journey, and I know we are as well in this room. Help us to do so with you as our Lord and our Savior. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.